Welcome to Feeling Asian, a podcast where two Asians talk about their feelings. I'm Young Me Mayor. And I'm Brian Park. And we're going to start with our Patreon shout outs. Yeah. So if you guys like our content, please consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash feeling Asian. Young Me and I offer different subscription tiers with different exclusive benefits. Um, but at the very least, any donation amount gets you a shout out on this Patreon. Yeah. Where Young Me and I use our psychic abilities to guess who you are as a person. Yep. Based on your name alone. And we always are right. We're on a hot streak. We do get a lot of DMs saying that we're right. Yeah. And this past week, we've been getting a lot of DMs telling us to return to our horny, psychic roots. Chaotic ones. <laughs> Chaotic. <laughs> yeah. But you know, we we will. Let's just, let's not put any pressure on it. If we feel like it, let's just do it. Okay. All right, Young Me, are you ready for our first Patreon shout out? Yes. First shout out goes to Emily Left. How's Left spelled? Oh, wait. you. <laughs> What's her social security number? <laughs> Left is L-E-F-F. Wow. Emily Left. Do you think? See, I mean, my- Seems German. German. My assumption when somebody has this like very like straight up white sounding name is that they're like a Korean adoptee. Mm. Or my other- um, Or they're married to a white person and took their husband's name. Yes, that's that's also a possibility. <laughs> um, well, you know, whatever, whatever the case. Welcome, Emily. <laughs> is, is that your guess for Emily? <laughs> no, Emily left. To me, I just, I, I think it's the name Emily. I just see like a knitted cardigan, you know, like just glasses, and so he's drinking like a warm, warm drink and like a reusable granola vibe. Yeah. I think that's just the name Emily. Heavy, I can, I'm getting heavy granola vibes from Emily Leff. Birkenstocks that are like covered in the front. The clogs? Yeah, like the clogs. Yeah, I would. I think Emily is probably a grad student at the Yale School of Forestry right now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> She's a grad student at the Yale School <laughs> of Forestry. In undergrad, she studied abroad in India. Wow. Came back with those like... I studied abroad in India pants. Vibes. Oh, the pants. <laughs> yeah. But she's respectful about it. Okay. She's respectful about it. She doesn't it. talk about it. Like she just wears the pants and then just expects you to bring she it up. She intensely studies all things granola and zen. Like so when the server brings her her food, she does a namaste and then doesn't doesn't say anything about it. Just waits for you to be like, oh, wait, wait, what were you doing there? She does it because she understands. Exactly. Yeah. It's not her space. She's yeah, going yeah. to be respectful. I like that. Yeah. Well, Emily, thank you for your Patreon donation. Our second shout out goes to Kristen Choi. Kristen. Yeah. Kristen Choi. Kristen Choi for me. I'm getting heavy church vibes. Really? Yeah. I was going to say heavy Midwestern vibes. <laughs> Just the vibes. The air. I don't know. She's uh Sorry. You know, I'm going to just say this. goes to <laughs> Korean church in the Chicago I'm gonna, suburb. I'm going to, this is the vibe I'm getting. And this is going to be offensive to white people. But like, you know, those like when you go to like a Midwestern town. Yeah. And there's like all these like white people. And then they're like, there's one like super hot, like Asian woman. That's just like, eh, like type A. She's like a real estate agent. Like it has just, like a lot of like eyeliner on and lipstick and stuff. And she's always wearing like a pantsuit. That's Kristen, like the one hot person 
in a Midwestern town and also an Asian person. Do you know what I mean? It's like when you go to those places, like sometimes you go to places where people like quote unquote don't care about appearances. And I, I find that to be like equally misogynistic, but like, you know, like Portland, Oregon or something like that. And everyone's just like, I'm wearing a sweater and I, I don't care about makeup. That's for stupid women or something like that. But then there's this one Asian woman that's still like wearing stilettos. You definitely know Kristen Choi, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm totally. This is my. And then it's Kristen that was Choi. The most specific. No, what I'm saying is that there's a lot of places like you in know, America you know where people about, don't man. care about fashion. She drives like a gray Toyota Rav Four, and every Monday morning she gets her caramel salted frappuccino grande size doing, from Starbucks. Doing that power her, Pilates at five a.m. Her license go, plate her, right? is one LZ three FW. You know what I mean? Yeah. Those Midwestern Asians who I fucking hate so much. Kristen Choi. Stop. No, I like her. <laughs> I like I like these like man those people. You know. I went a little bit too far with that. I don't. Yeah. I'm going to edit that out. No, <laughs> I think we, one of those is going to be true. We have to keep both of them. All right. Well, Kristen Joy, thank you so much for your donation. And our last shout out for this episode goes to G Park. G Park sounds so hot. In my head, I just saw like. I'm, there's G Park <laughs> lives in Korea. Yeah. I get that. G Park for sure. Or lives- just moved here like. Three years ago, I I followed this like sound clap, sound clap, (laughs) sound clap, SoundCloud rapper, like a Korean, like mumble rapper guy with like tattoos on his face. Uh And I feel like that's like like what I see. G Park. Well, there's a famous like rapper named J Park. Who's J Park? He's super famous in Korea. He has tattoos and that's he's a rapper. Who, that's not who I'm following. It's like somebody that's like really underground. So I feel like I, could, I have a chance with him, you know? <laughs> so, and I'm not like so, a famous person. It's so just G like some Park random. So G-Park is a bootleg J-Park. <laughs> yes. G-Park is the one that I have a chance with. <laughs> Call me. <laughs> well, thank you for your donation, G-Park. Please have fewer than 40,000 SoundCloud listens because yes. Young Me is trying to hit it. What, is, does anyone else think that when like there's a musician that's like not that famous yet? You're like, I can, this could be my boyfriend. <laughs> 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 like I can't, I can't date Jay Park. But G Park. Yeah. It's more of my speed. <laughs> well, once again, if you want a shout out and you want to be roasted or praised, jury's out on that please consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash feeling Asian. And I think it's time to introduce our guest, Young Me. Let's do it. Young Me and I are so excited to have this guest for so many different reasons, which we'll dive into. But this guest is an incredibly accomplished documentary filmmaker. Please give your ears to Jin Yu Kim. Hello. Yay. Yay. Hi, Jin. How are you? I am pretty good. I'm super excited to be here as an avid Yay. listener. <gasps> wow. Yes. I just wanted to point out before we talk about our feelings that Jin Yu Park, your first name is Jin. Jin, Jin Yu Kim. Jin, I'm sorry, Jin Yu Kim. I'm, I'm still thinking about <laughs> G Park. <laughs> Call me. <laughs> uh, Jin Yu Kim. But I just want to point out because you grew up in South America, so you say both of your last names. So your name is Jin and then Yu Kim are two surnames yes and koreans are the ones who get the most uh mixed up with it because of the structure of our naming 
Right. Yeah. So when I go yeah, to the yeah. bank, like, it's like if I go to a Korean bank, they're like Kim Jinyu, Eugene. So yeah, yeah. So if you're a progressive Korean and you're thinking about having two surnames, be prepared because you are going to confuse a lot of administrative Korean workers. Korean bankers. <laughs> yes. Um, but before we get into you, Jin. Brian, how are you feeling, Brian? You. Fuck you. <laughs> you always make me go first. Um, I am so irritable right now. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just going to say it. I'm irritable right now. No, I've just I can tell. I've just been having one of those mornings where it's not anything catastrophically wrong. It's just a like <laughs> just like one thing after another, just something slightly goes wrong. <laughs> so like I woke up this morning, I was ready to make my coffee. I realized that I had no more coffee beans left. I'm like, oh my fucking God. So I have to go out, get my coffee, come back in. And then I had this audition where like my AirPods were connected, but for some reason the microphone wasn't activated. Oh so it was God. like a whole like 10 minute thing where the casting director was like, I'm like, hey, can you hear me? Can you hear me? I'm like, Jesus, this makes me look so fucking unprofessional right now, but it is what it is. God, and then, that's the worst. And then right before we started recording, I turned on our recording device and it was on very low battery. And so I had to run out and that was a straw that broke the camel's back. I'm like, it's not even noon. And it's, it's just, it's just going to be one of those days where a lot of things are just slightly just enough to annoy you. I... At this point, I feel like I know Brian enough to know that this is like, he is filled with rage right now. <laughs> and a, a rage of a thousand sons. He's so angry. This kind of shit really throws Brian off. I think that is, that's what it means to be Korean. <laughs> little things. Just the little things. Because when it's a catastrophic thing, like, you know, maybe someone you witness someone backing up into your car and it's completely out of your control. You kind of just throw your hands up in there and you're like, well, that fucking sucks. But that's, yeah, that's but, when we get like, sorry. But these little things is what is makes you even more angry. I feel that's like when big things happen, we go into like psycho quiet mode. We're like, that's fine. <laughs> right. That's fine. It's oh my god. It's like when as a kid when you were in, you knew you were in deep shit when your parents would be like. That's fine. We'll talk at home. Yeah. And you're like, oh shit. shit. <laughs> that's the, that's Koreans. Wait, no, I, I kept laughing when you were talking about how shitty your day was, Brian, because. <laughs> so Brian went out to get the batteries and he, yeah. I knew, I knew he was just so angry. He was so quiet. He was just like, I'm going to get the batteries, I guess. And then you can't. <laughs> And then you came back with batteries and a carrot cake. And then I was like, <laughs> and then you put the batteries in and you just like angrily just like show, like just like shoveled the carrot cake into your face. You're just like eating it. Like, uh, uh, like looking at you like angrily just eating this carrot cake. I was like, this is what Brian needs to do right now. This is just, this is what Brian needs to do to like, make the Satan voices go away. So I'm <laughs> let him just eat his carrot, most random snack. Ooh, there's a method to my madness, but thank you for giving me the space to, 
to cope with my carrot cake. I'm going to be honest. I get scared when Brian gets into those rage mode. I'm just like, yep, I'm just going to be quiet. Not going to say anything. <laughs> Never uh, done anything to me, but I know to give I know to give you that space. Well, I feel Jimmy, like you are outing me as having an anger management problem on the podcast. No, you never do anything. You just get really mad and quiet, and I'm like, I'm just gonna yeah I'll sit here. It's, it's those little things. It's the little annoyances that like piss me off even more. I don't know why. I know something about your personality. I think that. You talk about this a lot. You like things having structure and organization, yeah. but like little things being off like that, that really makes you mad. I think it's because I feel like they're preventable. Mm. I've, I've heard you say things yeah. like that before. That's probably why, but I feel much better now, you know, just venting it all out and you roasting me to oblivion. No, you know, we were joking, but to be serious, things like that, that's okay. You know, you don't have to feel bad or anything when you, if you're getting emotional over something that seems stupid quote unquote stupid yeah you know what your body's telling you something you know and you or it just could just be it the, or it could just be the k rage because <laughs> have you ever that's happened to me a lot I, I know, I, that's probably just, where it's like a little thing breaks and that's the thing that puts you to tears and you're like i don't know why i'm fucking crying about this which yeah. is so upsetting <laughs> not to get like not to get like dime store psychi psychologist on you but like not to get g park psychologist <laughs> i'm the g park level psych psychologist hi i'm here for uh j park's office and you're like no i'm g park on the seat. <laughs> you know like i'm just asking did your parents ever get like mad at you or stuff like that when little things happen because my parents did yeah so I feel like there's a little bit of me now where I'm like, if something little goes off, even though I'm like, that's okay. But like, that's when my mom would be like, what the fuck? Like once I like uh, accidentally put like, gar there's garbage in my pocket and I put it in the car, you know, those back pocket things. Yeah. There's a $5 bill in it. And my mom like took me to the store cause I wanted to spend my $5 on candy. And like, I was like, oh no, it's not my pocket anymore. My mom's like, what the fuck? Like, she's like, that's so reamed for that like so little things like that now trigger oh, me then this is me putting my g park hat on <laughs> because that's what's we're used to mm. that's why we get upset because that's what's familiar to us mm. you know yeah and you know i catch myself doing that to mino sometimes and then i'm like it's funny because it's always like i'll be taking him to like the toy store to get him a toy because he really did a good job at school or whatever right yeah. And then we'll be there and then he'll do something little. I'm like, what the? Ugh. And then I'll be like, the whole reason that I'm here is to like make my son happy and like get, get him a toy. And I'm just ruining it. <laughs> I was like, and then I'm like, Bri and I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, uh, it's so hard. Young me, how are you feeling? Um, <laughs> well, this is just. I was, so I'm reading this, <laughs> just I'm outing myself because I was talking to Jen before we started recording, you uh -huh. know, like, I think it was two weeks ago when we had Jenny and she was talking about the book Pachinko Yeah. for years. My friends have been talking about it and whenever like, Hey, you know, like in Pachinko and I'm like, yeah, but I've never read it. Wait. 
<laughs> I, I'm pretty sure I've talked about it on this podcast you about it, and you were like, "Yeah, it was so moving." It's actually right here. Wow. I don't know if people can see it. It's behind me. It's one of wow. the props behind so you're me. You're a fucking liar. I'm a liar. Well, yeah, this is if you remember. I mean, we're gonna re- rewind to the podcast episode where I talk about this. If you if you ever like look back to where you talk about it, I'm never like, "Yeah, I know." I'm just like, "Yeah," <laughs> <laughs> just sort of like. I just sort of allude to the fact that I've read it. I don't say I've read it. I'm just like, you're like, you know, in Pachinko and this part's so sad. I'm like, yes. I could, yes. Oh, it all makes sense now. So maybe but I do a year, that with from, so a many year books. from a year from now, yeah. you're going to be like, I'm finally reading Minor Feelings by Kathy Park. No, I've read Minor Feelings. I've read Minor I have read that one. But you're reading Pachinko right now. I'm not going to tell you when I read Minor Feelings. It was probably way after I said I did. But I have read it. Okay. So reading, I have, as a pachinko I'm reading and, um, I'm like, it's very emotional. You know, I'm sure everyone's read it. Right. Uh, and it's about like the, (laughs) it's about like, you know, the Koreans living, you know, in like, Japan. The story starts in like 1910 and it moves throughout history and has a lot of like Koreans living in Japan, like during like the war and like, you know, like how badly they were treated by Japanese people. Right. The, I'm reading the audiobook because, like, I so I can read it while doing stuff. The, stop laughing at me. You're know. reading the audiobook. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. G Park. G Park. G Park reads the audiobook. I'm G Parking the book. <laughs> so, so I'm reading. <laughs> I'm listening to the audiobook. And the audiobook is being read by a Japanese American person, oh. which is. I feel like the per, the uh, it's it's through Audible, which is like uh, I'm guessing a white owned company, and it's, you, it's just such a like Jeff Bezos owns Amazon. It's Jeff Jeff Bezos. It's all his fault, like everything else. It's such a like Jeff Bezos. Thoughtless. Korean name is Jay Park. <laughs> no, it's Jay Park. Jeff Bezos. Jay Park. G Bezos. So he. So I just want to say it's such a thought thoughtless, careless choice to have a Japanese American person reading that book. I think it brings up the fact that white Americans don't give a fuck about the fact that Koreans are not Japanese people. They don't even give a fuck that the book is about Japanese people fucking torturing and ruining Korean people's lives, which is historically accurate. It's not even a fiction book about that. They touch on like the comfort women thing among every, among other horrible things. I just think it was extremely thought, and it makes me so angry list, reading, listening to the audiobook mm. because number one, the person doesn't know how to pronounce any Korean words. Oh, is that what tipped you off? Oof, no, well, the, her name is Japanese. And then at one point I was like, fuck this man, what the fuck? But then I'm also into the book and it's like making me cry. But then at one point she mispronounces a Japanese word. And then I realized that she's an American person, mm. you know, even though she's ethnically Japanese. And then I was like, do I even have the right to say that? Because as Americans, we are working in America and it is okay that she's an American person having the job of reading a book, but also there's a lot of problematic things because Damn. I think her white fucking bosses. This is very strange. It's, 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 there's a You're lot of layers. You're such a conscious consumer because I am not like that there's at so all. There's so many layers I to this. I listen to audiobooks. You know? I'm like, this book's good. Yeah. And I'm not going to question it. <laughs> I like this book. That's that's the extent. No, no. Here, here's the like thing. Str- now it's like. Now, now it's you're like, like in this 
spiral stress. No, I'm spiraling. No, it is like, it's such an interesting conversation. Who has the right to read this book? I understand she does have the right. She's just a narrator, like a voice actor. Because one could say that just because the protagonists are Korean, it's still a Japanese story too, because it's like from the lens of the colonizers. The the book is written in third person. So every, no one's like, no one, it's in in no one's brain. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, uh, but whoever hired her, hired her because they were like, you're just, I don't know, one of you Ching Chongs do it. They they made the conscious decision to have her do it because in the white person's eyes, they well, were right. like, that, that goes back to Asian Jenny person. Wang Medina's episode that's a, where- This is an Asian book. Get the Asian bitch to do it. Yeah. You know, that's they what they were thinking. Thing. But how thoughtless, how careless. And, and then it also made me like, oh man, this, what the fuck, man? And the, the word she mispronounces onigiri, I'm like, bitch, come on, man. Bro, <laughs> <laughs> what kind of fucking, not, not that you, not that you should even know Japanese if you're a Japanese American. You're an American person. Maybe she's like fourth generation that she's allowed to not know that. But like, come on, who the hell, what the fuck, man? You know, I'm sorry. Is that, is that, is that racist of me to be, uh, be disappointed by that? I don't know. I think there's a lot, a lot of layers there. But it's an upsetting thing to have to like listen to. So are you going to read it? I'm definitely still listening to it. (laughs) It's a great book. It's a great book. But she keeps being, she's like. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm going to still G-park the fuck out of this. I'm G-parking the shit out of this book. Let me tell you. No, and it's just just so off-putting because she'll be like reading it. She'll be like, today is the day of the chase, ha. And I'm like, what the <laughs> for lunch, for oh my god, it's hard. It's hard to listen to that. My, uh, haven't we been through enough? Haven't Koreans gone through enough in the hands of Japanese? On top of that, you're just come bong to the pastor. <laughs> what, the, what the hell? Okay, I'm done. I'm sorry. That was such a long rant. Jin, how are you feeling? <laughs> How am I feeling? I feel very mixed up and frustrated at myself because uh, I do this thing, which I'm sure both, I feel like you both will identify is a lot of good things happened this week mm-hmm. and like two bad things happened and mm-hmm. all my energy and focus and stress two is bad on the things. two bad things. And, oh yeah. And they're oh, not yeah, even baby. that bad. They're not even that bad. <laughs> In comparison to like the good stuff, the bad stuff yeah. is like pretty minuscule. But yeah. I spent like yesterday, basically like my morning was great. And then I had like a session with my career coach, which was awesome. And uh, she was kind of like pushing my buttons, making sure that I was like doing the thing I was supposed to be doing. And I felt neutral. And then I got into a call with some feedback that was like uh, mostly positive, like 80% positive and 20% negative and after mm-hmm. that call I was just like so fucking stressed oh and mad about that 20% that my entire day just like like it was like it derailed everything I couldn't get anything oh. done God. and then I started calling all my friends I started group chatting all my friends just uh-huh. like dissecting who the identity of this person who gave me the bad review <laughs> Oh, wow. And trying to guess, like, who is the hater? Uh, Probably (laughs) someone who doesn't know me at all, but I was just so upset about it. Um, Wow. That that is a, that's the plot of an Asian 
revenge. like revenge movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah you get like one bad. You're you're the owner of an Asian restaurant. You get one bad Yelp review. It's like I will find whoever the fuck gave me this bad Yelp review and just destroy, obliterate them. And then the bad review is a four star review. Right? Right. Like, How dare- is it one more star? <laughs> yeah. So mm. it was like someone, a representative called me to tell me feedback of this thing that I applied for and they mentioned like oh there's five reviewers and four Mm. of them were like mostly positive these are all the great notes you got and I'm just like kind of like writing down all the positive notes and trying to feel good about myself but I kind of am waiting for like that negative thing because in the back of my mind I'm like someone said something that wasn't good about my work so then I'm just like waiting right because I'm just like "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm." and then and then the person was like, and then there's this one reviewer who said this. And I'm like, fuck! <laughs> <laughs> and it's totally, and then it's fine if it was like, if I was a well-adjusted, emotionally sound person, I feel like I would have just been like, okay, well, four out of five is good. I'm going to yeah. walk away, yeah. trying to like work on it to make it better for next year and just like tell myself all these nice things. But... Right. Yes, like the Aries K rage, un- like unwell adjusted part of me is just like, who is this person? They probably hate me. They don't want to see me succeed. I'm going to find out who this person is. <laughs> yeah. What is that, dude? What is that one fucking I don't know. mildly negative I, thing I that ruins your that. life? And yeah. I think it's. It, it even gets to a point for me sometimes where I would be afraid to even submit for things because I had to make sure that it was perfect mm. and couldn't accept that there would be any flaws. Yeah. Like yeah. this has to be perfect. And then eventually it's like, what are you, are you just shooting yourself in the foot at that point? Yeah. But you've talked about this, how that's shut you down before, like the perfectionism, you know? Yeah. And so I think that, you know, like for the three of us that are in the creative field, like that's like a huge like hurdle to overcome. Yeah. Uh, the getting faced with negative feedback yeah. and dealing with it. Not really, but right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even we, we do that between ourselves sometimes with this podcast where, mm-hmm. you know, th- thank you to all the listeners who left us reviews. Uh, all, all, a lot of them are overwhelmingly positive, but every yeah. once in a while we'll get one like negative review and yeah. we'll screenshot and be like, look what this person <laughs> fucking wrote. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I have to say that for the most part, the negative comments for our podcast, there have been some that are like very few that were like real, but then a lot of it's just like crazy people. So good for us, man. No one's ever left us a negative review. <laughs> I feel like just because we said that, we're going to get an avalanche of negative reviews. You know, I have to say there's something about it where I feel like maybe we are so self-deprecating because we're afraid of that. And that's why people don't really leave us negative reviews because it's just our podcast is just like, we suck <laughs> for an hour. <laughs> and then everyone's like, oh, I guess I, I feel bad. Uh, for I them. guess they do suck. <laughs> See, we're getting some negative reviews, but we don't know the listeners who are listening to us and be like, oh, yeah, these guys do suck. <laughs> and just never listen again. <laughs> I don't really have to even say that. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, I'm glad that you brought that up because it is such a weird phenomenon. And I, I don't even think it's like an Asian person thing. Everyone feels like that, you know? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I even like, I once uploaded this TikTok video of just cooking Wagyu. And yeah? I didn't think it was going to be like the one video that everyone was going to watch. And of course, yeah. like, if I knew that, I would have made a better video of it. 
And then right. all these like trolls were just like, that's not how you cook a wagyu. And I just, <laughs> for some reason, I couldn't shut that part of my brain off where I was like, I'm not going to like pay attention to this. I'm just going to go not care about it. I'm like, ooh, I wonder yeah. who said something today. And then I would open up my TikTok and I'm like, ah! <laughs> It's, it was me. It's like I need Filled it or something. I feel like it I need me. something to I'm be mad trolls. about. <laughs> this person is cooking the wagyu. With this is, I'm so annoyed, young me. <laughs> and then he's angrily eating a carrot cake in the corner. Oh my um, God, the internet stuff. Yeah. For well, some reason, the tweeting TikTok comments, yeah. that makes me so mad. Yeah. I don't even look anymore. Um, Jen. Thank you for sharing those feelings and thank you for joining us on the podcast because young me and I, we wanted this episode thematically, you know, we, we wanted to do an episode like this for a while and we wanted to share our immigration stories because you know, the, the Asian diaspora is, it stretches to far corners of the world that oftentimes we don't even think of. Yeah. And you yourself grew up in Bolivia, which is, I mean, it's crazy <laughs> for one. I think it's very random. Yeah. But um, yeah, like we've never had anyone from the South American Asian diaspora on the podcast before. And so we wanted to ask you, how did your family end up in Bolivia? And what was that all like? So my grandfather was in the Korean army and uh -huh. he, I think he got up to like Lieutenant Colonel and then he retired really early, like when he was 50 and he had a lot of siblings and he had, my mom has five siblings herself. So he had like a really huge family to take care of. And at that time it was like mid to late seventies. And the only people who are really leaving Korea to the States or anywhere else were either people with money, people mm -hmm. who had yeah. someone that they knew to sponsor right. them, or right. like they were going out for studying, like mm. international students. Academics, yeah. Right. Yeah. Or like really um like kind of like day laborers or like I guess they had work visas for farm and you know agricultural visas. Mm -hmm. yeah. But there wasn't a pool of like uh, people who were kind of like lower middle class who wanted to start over. There wasn't too many right, right. access points for that. And then at that point in Korea, my mom was going to call it or like trade school and she couldn't figure out a way to make money. Like everything was just like economically not great. And she reminded okay. me during that time internationally, like they still saw Korea as um, a country that was still at war, right? Because it's only mm. been like 20 years, you know, since the Korean War. But the war is, I mean, it's still not ended. It's just like mm -hmm. stalemate, right? So I think right. um, there were a lot of international, maybe like not like unwelcoming or like not as open to the idea of Koreans um, going abroad. And she said right. like at that time, the North-South borders were also more fluid. So there were a ton mm. of spies. Okay, after she said all that, she told me, like, she also doesn't know anything that she's talking about. So <laughs> she was like, don't tell them this. Like I'm like, mom. okay. Yeah, yeah. She was like, I am not a historian. Okay, mom, uh, just tell me what you know, right? Uh, so basically, um, so fast forward, my grandpa needed to, like, take his whole family out of the country. 
Um, was he, did he leave because of the instability that existed? Yeah, he lost okay. it. I mean, he didn't lose his job, but he retired, but he still needed yeah. to make money and he still needed okay. to support his really large family. I think upwards of mm-hmm. like 30 people. And he was okay. like the head, right? The patriarch. So people were all just right. like depending on him. And then, so this is like an interesting tidbit that I didn't know until like, um, very recently. My mom said that she watched this documentary of a large Korean family going to Brazil and mm-hmm. working uh-huh. on a coffee plantation. And then like, mm-hmm. it was like a success story, which is why there was like a documentary about them. Like, oh, like this, you know, Tianmingguk, like this family went yeah, yeah. and they, they succeeded in coffee, like business or whatever. So my mom saw that and then she came home and she told her parents about it. And they were like, uh, yeah, that's not going to happen. We're not going to do that. So it was yeah. kind of like dismissed. But in my mom's memory, that was like, her first like uh desire to like go abroad because they never traveled mm. outside of korea but mm. she saw Whoa. like the tropical landscape and all that and just like this hope of like keeping the family unit together and succeeding together versus like the stories that she would hear of her peers where they would go out but they were kind of like going by themselves whether to study sure, or sure. something like that um fast forward they were trying so many different things in korea to make money and everything failed and my grandpa Mm -hmm. uh met this guy kind of coincidentally around the time my mom saw the documentary but he met this guy who was like a broker and he was bringing all these koreans to argentina and so he was accumulating like a hundred korean uh men mostly to go with him to establish themselves in argentina and he's like you gotta pay me Huh? Super sketchy. It was so sketchy. But I guess he was like a really good, like, sakikun, like, marketer, like, mm-hmm. whatever, thief. Um, he he's a good smuggler. He's a good human trafficker. He's a, yeah. big, he's a good scammer. Yeah, he's a scammer. And at that time, that's probably like an early rendition of trafficking, right? Like, right, because right. he I mean, basically. That, that is the definition of human trafficking. He's the J Park of trafficking. Yeah. <laughs> Not Even to be the way he presents. The G park. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even the way he presented it to people, he said, there's a farm, the Mendoza farm in Argentina, and they're li- looking for laborers, like farmers, wow. right? And we need okay, like so a hundred good men kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. So did your grandpa and a unit of your family go or was it just your grandpa Just first? my grandpa. But okay. so then this like uh, scammer was like, they're looking for people to be day laborers. But here's the thing. You can pay me money. And I will help you get there and then you can do whatever you want. This is all just paperwork. So it looks like yeah. you're going there for the day labor thing because that's the visa that is allowed for right. you to go mm. there. So he nice. was trying to like scam his way into getting more money from the Koreans. And then mm-hmm. these Koreans would go with him. And then he was like, I have this like hotel set up. And then you don't have to go to the farm at all. Like you can just like go to the hotel. And then I have all these other jobs that are better set up for you guys. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to work in farms. You don't have to work in sweatshops. You don't have to like work for someone else. There's like these little um, like openings to have your own like store or whatever. So yeah, he kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. marketed it like this is like a loophole. Right. And then okay. so all of them like paid the broker and they also had like some money because in their minds they're thinking like they're gonna set up their life right so my grandpa goes but it's not a direct flight from korea they go from like (laughs) korea to hong kong to thailand to like whatever like all these countries (laughs) to hawaii they have to go on a boat yeah Yeah. i mean i don't know yeah maybe they went on a boat but it took them a month 
It took them a month oh, all the Jesus. way nice. to go to Imagine Argentina. You're on, you're on kayak.com and it's like layover <laughs> one month and 12 hours. And you're like, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> but like looking back, I think he did that to also like cover his tracks. Yeah. But back then what he was saying was like, each country is going to give you a visa for the neighboring mm. country. So that's I how see. we're going to get to Argentina because Argentina is not wow. going to directly give a visa to Koreans. This so is a good scammer great scammer and then he they go the hundred people go and they're mm-hmm. in this argentinian hotel and they were there for like a couple days and this broker was going in and out of the hotel being like oh yeah i'm gonna like set up this interview or like oh i, I found this guy you can talk to but so then they mm-hmm. were still feeling kind of safe and then one right. day he was just gone like he took all their what? money and just he was just right. gone he just disappeared he just disappeared and I saw that coming. Fucked yeah. up. I saw that coming because I read Pachinko. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I don't know. You read, uh, you read the I'm audio not- book. <laughs> <laughs> I read it with I'm, my ears, I bro. I actually don't know if that happens in the book. I'm not that far along. <laughs> That is fucking wow. nuts. So, okay, so, so he just made out like he just made out like a bandit, just took all their money and dipped. He just like abandoned them. And then yeah. um at that point, some of the Koreans were starting to talk to people who already lived there and they said had some connections. And then my mom told me this really long-winded story of how they went through all of South America. They did end up going through Bolivia and then back to Argentina. Mm-hmm. But the really okay. fascinating thing of this like really long journey that they did, they were like kind of slowly wasting away all their money trying to figure out what else to yeah. do and figuring it out. Jesus. And then at the very last moment, they came back to Argentina because they were like, we just got to like fly back to Korea. So they were uh, all okay. there and then um, they were eating their like last meal and they were at this like pizza place and everyone's yeah. just like eating like their last meal, like eating this giant pizza. And then uh, my grandpa saw this like Asian guy in the corner, like eating like one slice by himself who was not part of their group. And so he <laughs> went over to this Asian guy and he was like, are you Korean? Right. And then the guy's like, no, 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 I don't speak. I don't know what you're, I don't know what you are. Like, I'm not Korean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then my grandpa, cause he lived in Japan until he was like in junior high. He was like, Nihonjin desu Right? Like, are you Japanese? And this yeah. guy's like, oh my God, a Japanese person. So then they started speaking in <laughs> Japanese. And like, yeah. my grandfather was like, oh, what are you doing here? And then this Japanese guy was like, well, I am like the owner of a small construction company in Iran. <laughs> And I came here as, I don't know why he was in Argentina. Maybe he was looking for workers or maybe he was just like taking a vacation. Like we don't really know the reason why he was there, but it was like this coincidental, almost like serendipitous meeting where on their very last day in Argentina, my grandfather meets this guy, right? Mm -hmm. So then this guy was like, I need about like, you know, 50 good men to work for me in Iran. And then my grandfather's like, well, I have a hundred good men, right? Oh my god. And then this guy was like, really? And then he's like, yeah, and I speak fluent Japanese and Korean. So then your grandpa went to Iran? Yeah, that's how he ended up in Iran. So like, he goes to the bunch of Koreans in the hotel, was like, hey, I met this guy. Do you want to come with me to Iran? And a bunch of people were like, yes. They're like, fuck yeah. Yeah, and a bunch of people were like, Just because he met this random Japanese guy in Argentina. In a pizza parlor, yeah. Okay, so when he went to Iran, it sounds like he worked there. Then how did you end up in Bolivia again? So basically, um, so this is where my mom, so my grandpa was in the military, right? And my mom was like, the the men in Korea who go to Gunde, like the 
you know, military service, they're a yeah. different kind of breed. When they see your <laughs> yeah. grandpa, they were like, that guy is really respectable. So a bunch of the people who went to Iran were like these like um, soldier kind of dudes. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Um, they just like really like almost blindly followed my grandpa because they respected him so much. And they yeah, worked they're... there in Iran for like a couple years, making a ton of money. My grandpa became the VP of that small company. What? Because it's a very small construction company and this like yeah. Japanese guy can't speak Korean. He needed okay. my grandpa to like handle all the Koreans, right? Okay. And they were all like really good workers. So my grandpa was making enough money to send all the money back to Korea. So they were they were kind of thinking like, oh, we don't have to immigrate anymore because we're getting all this money from Iran. Then uh-huh. like the revolution happened. Whoops. The Iran revolution. Or like it was <laughs> it was gonna happen, I guess. I don't yeah. know if he was there mm-hmm. in the midst of it, but like right before um the revolution or maybe in the beginning stages my grandpa was like oh i don't know if it's gonna be good here and then the japanese um construction owner was like oh we gotta fold so then they folded the company and then my grandpa had no choice but to go back to korea and then when he went back to korea like it was literally the same like they tried all these different businesses nothing worked and then my grandpa was like you know what we got to go to Argentina because I now I know like some people there. We're going back to Argentina, baby. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Get back on the boat. Long story so short, Argent- like they all yeah. sort of went, they all sort of trickled into South America with the goal of Argentina in their minds. But they yeah. okay. sort of almost never made it there. Like um, mm. I do have some family there. My grandpa did end up um, moving to Argentina later on. But first what happened was they go to South America. They couldn't get into Argentina. People were telling them go to Bolivia because it's the poorest country in South America. You can just kind of like buy your way into you getting can, a visa. You can gentrify it, bro. <laughs> <laughs> totally gentrify Bolivia. Like, so what oh you're my. telling us is that you, your Korean family are gentrifiers. We're gentrifiers. We went in there with uh, our uh, like, global scale. We're, we're, with couldn't. our fabrics and our electronics. And the Korean people in South America are like, you can go to Bolivia because it's the G Park of South America. (laughs) If any Bolivians are listening, Brand did not mean that. Wait, so... (laughs) No, but I mean, I'm assuming because the visa issues were more lenient. So once your grandpa settled in Bolivia, that meant that he could bring the rest of your family. Yeah. And that's when you showed up. Yeah. You were born in Bolivia. I was born in Bolivia. I I was born in 1982. in Bolivia. Nice. And, um, wait, wait, yeah. so before you begin your story, because yeah. now we're going to head into your, I just want to like take a moment and say that your story, your grandpa and your mom's story is so fascinating. It's so amazing. And it, also I want to say to the, all the Asian people listening right now and not even the Asian people, just like people that came to like America who like, or immigrants, which is all American, let's be honest. All of us have like that rich history. I feel like all of our like grandparents and great grandparents did something like that. And I just feel like when I heard your story initially, you know, so many people are like, Oh God, how did a Korean person end up in Bolivia? And it's just like the story of immigration in this world. I just feel like it's so interesting. And I feel like the people that did it, like your grandpa, our grandparents, my mom to a certain extent, my dad's parents, that's just like, it just so takes, fascinating. it's fascinating yeah. because it takes a single catalyst right. yeah. and that one action of your grandpa 
it just altered the course of your entire family lineage after that. It's, yeah. fa- it's it so is, fucking crazy. It's fucking crazy. Cause I was asking all, my yeah. dad about this recently. Cause I don't know the full story of how our family ended up in America. And the catalyst for our family was my aunt, my, so my dad's older sister married a Korean soldier, but the Korean soldier was from America. He was an American soldier. Oh, so like he was a Korean American soldier. Oh. They got married. So then she got the uh, the visa. But Mm. then from there, she could could get sponsorships for the rest of her siblings, which is my dad. Wow. And then from that point forward, we ended up in America. But because of my aunt, like had she not met this Korean American soldier, I'd still be in America. I'd still be in Korea. But it's so interesting because it's like these little, these seemingly small like choices or little things that happened now, decades later, like look at like we're sitting in this room, the three of us, because your grandpa met a Japanese guy at, at a the pizza, at a pizza restaurant. <laughs> like it's, it's so fucking nuts. weird. But this is, it reminds me of that meme. Like somebody did this meme where it was like, some goober in Mesopotamia like decided to grow plants instead of hunting and then fast forward 2,000 years later like how many thousand years later I have to have a credit score (laughs) you know what I mean like like your grandpa was having pizza in Argentina fast forward you're a documentary filmmaker that lives in LA like it's so nuts right yeah yeah that's well, Brian, because you were mentioning your uncle was a Korean American soldier, right? Yeah. And like yeah. my grandpa, he didn't, he would have, if he only stayed in Korea, maybe they, he, it wouldn't have been in his thoughts to like want to leave. But during yeah. his boot camp, he was stationed in Fort Benning in Georgia in 1953, mm-hmm. like right, be, I think right before the war, like right when the Korean War was starting or during yeah. the Korean War. And so he got like a taste of Georgia and he right. was like, America, you know? So that yeah. was in his mind. Like, so when he went back and then he fought the Korean War, he fought the Vietnam War, and it was yeah. still in his mind after he retired. he liked it? That right. he, he loved Georgia. Like, he he loved America. And he always thought, like, I want to come here. It was like the fried fish. Um, <laughs> I don't know. The only, the only picture I have of him during that time was him eating an apple. I was like, what about the peach? <laughs> <laughs> but it oh, was so that's like, so interesting. Yeah, it was in his mind. So his, lo- his long goal was to come back to States? Oh, yeah. Like for Argentina was their goal in South America, but they were all mm-hmm. like the purpose of South America was in order to k- come to the States. Mm. Yeah. So that eventually happened, but it was like 20 years in the making. And to have a credit score. And to have a credit score, <laughs> which my mom asked about like a week ago. She's like, what's my credit score? I'm like, oh my God, oh, now wow. I have to like log into your experience. <laughs> That's like, you should make a, you should make a meme. It's like my grandpa met a Japanese man eating pizza and fast forward to now I have to have a credit score. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I have to so know my mom's nuts. credit score. <laughs> you grew up in Bolivia. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what was that like? like? Were there a lot of Asians there? I mean, I know all most of the Koreans because we all went to like the three churches. Oh, that's the other thing. There was like a lot of missionary activity. So uh-huh. a lot yeah. of Koreans were setting roots in South America in different countries through church. So mm. I grew up in like the full assembly of God, which I don't even know if that's like an actual like official sect of Christianity, but it's kind uh-huh. of like, um, <laughs> it's kind of like where people like speak in tongues and it's like very charismatic. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. So I grew but up it's in Korean? that. it's Korean? It's Korean. And I always just remembered 
when I would go to church and I would hear like the Koreans like, are such scam. <laughs> Koreans are such scammers that I just immediately assume it's not official. <laughs> it's yeah. like an official sect of Christianity. <laughs> I, I mean, I think it. I don't know if it's official, but I once um, went to another place in Bolivia, like the Salt Flats, yeah. and I met this pastor who was like Bolivian. And he uh-huh. was a pastor of a full assembly, uh, assembly Whoa. of God, whatever. You're like, Church. oh, this is real? Yeah. And then I, that's when I was like, oh, wait, maybe it's not only Koreans. And then I was like, hey, um, I grew up in the full assembly in Santa Cruz. And he was like, oh, yeah, like Pastor Chung. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, you guys are all part of the same. Oh, it's like, not a scam? Group. Wait, I think, I think assembly of God sound, that's like legit. That's speaking, t- I feel like that's big yeah. in the Midwest. Like, Super I feel like that's like a... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa. Yeah. They oh, speak in tongues. Thing, unfortunately. And I remember just like listening to it being like, uh, are they like in hell? Like what is going on? Because it just sounds like Wait. this cacophony of like people. Yeah, it's so weird. Is yeah. your uh your grandfather and your family, are they Christian? Um, I think they it's like mixed. Yeah, but okay. most of most of them do go to church or right. I wanna say like half and half now, but they always grew up in church and now I present see. day it's more half and half. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So what? So there were you knew basically all the Koreans. Most of the Koreans, and then yeah. there was like about three churches. Um, and then when around when I was five, uh, I came to the states with my brother and my grandmother, mm-hmm. and my parents mm-hmm. were still living in Bolivia with the idea and hope that they will eventually come and join us. Mm-hmm. But then, like ten years passed, so we went from Miami to LA. In Miami, my name was BJ. You, uh-huh. which was, it was fine because I was in kindergarten, so uh, it okay. didn't really matter that much. But I remember <laughs> when I came to LA, I think my cousin or someone told my mom that they, she needed to change my name, so I changed my name to Jin Bu. So <laughs> I was in LA as Jin Bu for a while, um, living uh-huh. here for about. Uh, 10 years total and my mom and dad would just keep coming back and forth and then there was a stint where they they kind of try to um, have a jewelry store in LA but they were uh just getting like robbed all the time and it was just so bad Mm. and not making enough money so they just went back to Bolivia and then around Mm. when I was 15 uh, I just started getting into like a shit ton of trouble (laughs) Mm -hmm. and just like at that time and I was undocumented as well so at that time uh, my future looked really Whoa. gloomy. Weren't you scared? Like well, you said you got into a lot of trouble, but you're like, if you get into yeah. big trouble, then you're fucked. That's what happened. <laughs> like, oh, Jesus. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What happened? So, um, B- BJU took over. Yeah, my, BJ. <laughs> my inner BJ. <laughs> my, my inner, inner BJ. BJ. <laughs> yeah, my K-Rage, little BJ, abandoned kid Oh symptom. my god. So yeah, I started like acting out. Uh, I went to like a pretty good like public high school. So it wasn't like that right. much of my environment. I think it was just me feeling like, you know, all the angst of feeling like this immigrant kid living on my grandma, like having to be a parent and all this stuff. Yeah. And I just wanted to be like, cool. And like, you know, at that time, like gang culture was really in. So I was like into like the you know, drawing my eyebrows like a chola and like just like skipping school to go to Norebangs with my oppas yeah. and riding in their trunk to go to like a rave <laughs> in Diamond Bar. Yo. Wow. With like your oppas. Alternating the trunk space. Like, you know, because like... oppas deep. Can we just, can we just take a moment to just appreciate the eye, the, the eye, skinny eyebrows, oppas, going to a rave with oppas? Yeah. That, that is like, that's like the foundation every- of 
Asian yeah. roots in America. Roots. Yeah. That's Korean American culture. Yeah. And the bangs. <laughs> like and the bangs. The guys with the bangs. The longer your bangs, the more gangster <gasps> you are. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Yeah, so we wow. were doing that. We and really then, did it all. And then I uh I got in so I had a boyfriend during that time. I was 15. And we decided to go for like a kind of like a ride. And um, we got my mom's car that was just like, you know, parked in the garage. And mm-hmm. we were driving, or I wasn't driving it. I was like distracting my boyfriend at the time, driving his car, my mom's car. Oh, shit. And we crashed into this woman on Christmas and oh. just like scratched this woman's car, like down her forerunner body. And mm-hmm. she was like, you know, rightfully very pissed. Um, called the cops. We got like arrested. And then um, the cop that was like driving me home was like, I have to like, you know, deliver you to your parents or whatever. And I was like, my yeah. grandmother, my grandmother is really old and she like, she might have a heart attack. So then he was like, okay, oh, I'll wait shit. out here and I'll just watch you go in. So she had no idea. Like this cop just like dropped me mm. off. And then I go That's into nice. the apartment. I don't tell anybody. I just go to sleep. And then the mm-hmm. next morning I'm like, fuck, where's that car? Like, where's my mom's car? Yeah. Right. I call my then boyfriend and he was like, I had to call my uncle to like have my uncle drive it. Cause we weren't licensed. He just had okay. a permit and obviously I was only 15 and undocumented. I'm never going to get a driver's license. And then, um, fast forward, like we get called to court for stolen, mm. ve- like we had a stolen vehicle charge and then we had to go to court. Damn. And then, uh, so you, you, you committed grand theft auto. I don't know if it's Grand Theft, but like that it sounds auto. Bad. <laughs> yeah, it sounds, <laughs> right, right, right. it sounds way worse than it was. It was just my mom's car, but that right, was right, like right. the categorization. And, yeah. And, and then, did you get deported? Did you get deported because of that? I would have been if I showed uh-huh. up to court. So oh, um, oh shit. Yeah. So I hope the FBI's not listening. <laughs> yeah, wow, I don't know. A, I don't know a true scam sca- criminal. But, but yeah, so I got in so, trouble with my mom and my mm-hmm. mom came. Which is worse than being wow. in trouble with the American government, let's so be honest. So much worse. So like much my worse. Mom me, I think like... you've met your chaotic match here. <laughs> Another Korean Holy criminal. Shit. I think I just wanted like, I just wanted to live with LA? my mom. No, no, no. So she yeah. came, she got me mm-hmm. and she was just mm-hmm. like, uh-huh. you need to be parented. And so yeah. um, she no took shit, me down mom. to Bolivia. So I was back nice. in Bolivia, like as this like ASEAN, like wannabe, like Chola, show up to like the first day of class and like everyone's just wearing like preppy clothes, like tapered jeans before it was cool and like penny loafers. And, mm-hmm. and I'm just like black eyeliner lipstick, wow. <laughs> like Chola eyebrows. And people I were like very fuck? confused because they're like, what right, are right. you? Like, cause they don't understand That's that so subculture within like another, you know? Yeah. So. You were like, yeah, there's so many layers to, cause I feel like I, you know, like you go to like private school abroad and it's just like people are doing what they think Americans would be doing in school. Yeah. So they're like preppy Abercrombie and Fitch. But then like you come from America with like your Chola, like eyebrows and you're like, no bitch, this is what's going on in America. <laughs> <laughs> you have no idea. Yeah. It was yeah, it was definitely like a different uh, version yeah. of what they were used to, I think, because there were a lot of Americans in the school, um, but yeah. they were mostly yeah. from the South and like, yeah, they right, were just right. like white people from the South, most of That's, them. And I think it's important to reiterate, if your grandpa didn't bust out his Japanese at that pizza shop, 
you would not have had these experiences in AZN. You would not going have those to eyebrows. in Diamond Bar with the opas. Like, yeah. no, that's that the, that's is... my. That's I'm gonna make so many of these memes for Jen. <laughs> my grandpa met that some broker. Wait, sixty okay, so... years later, I was going to a rave with four opas. Yeah. I'm gonna put on my uh, my G Park psychologist hat here right now because it sounds like you you've had a lot of disparate experiences in these very different cultures and I'm sure you felt must have felt like an outsider do you think in a way like you having a career as a documentary filmmaker is just an extension of all of those experiences you had growing up for sure for sure I think that like growing up I never felt accepted in any culture really um Mm. I think maybe the church was like, because I was so young at that point, maybe that, but I didn't. That was didn't, the closest thing. Yeah. Even like when I went back to Bolivia, like my Korean Bolivian friends who I kind of grew up with, they were just mm. so much more Bolivian than me. And mm. to a large extent, they were, some of them were like more Korean than me. So mm. I just didn't even feel like I totally fit into that culture either. And so for me, mm-hmm. the camera was kind of like almost like um, a clutch, like a social clutch. And, mm. um, and I, and I feel like I was almost always seen as a tourist, no matter if I was like in Bolivia or here, cause I'm always like the foreigner. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, mm-hmm. if I have a camera, that'll make me look even more like a foreigner and that like, I don't really belong here. And it makes me feel like I have control over that versus like just people telling mm. me I don't belong. I'm like making you think I don't belong. And then I'm kind of like doing it to myself right. first in a way, kind of like how you guys were saying you're so mm. self-deprecating yeah. that other people can't hate on you. It's almost like you're doing it yeah. almost like preemptively. Like, right. So like you already see me this way. So I'm just going to like double down. Like here's a lens. I'm a tourist. Uh, Have you, have you heard of this phrase? I I think it was based on like an essay or like a really short book. It's called like the third culture kid. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Third culture kid, which is like, if anyone's listening that has never heard of it, it's like, it's like if you are from one culture, but you grew up in another country, Mm. but then you culturally are, you're just like, Basically, that's gin, right? Yeah. Because you are Bolivian. You were born in Bolivia. Yeah. But you can't just be like, I'm Bolivian because people yeah. are like, no, you're not. Yeah. And then you, but you're uh, like American yeah. because culturally right. you're American. Yeah. And in, even in Bolivia, you went to American schools, School. right? Exactly. Like, and, but then you were ethnically Korean. So it's like all these layers of like explanation that you have yeah. to do. Yeah. And so that, when you said that thing about the camera, that makes so much sense to me because yeah. you're just like, I'm just a Korean tourist. Don't ask me questions. Mm-hmm. It's too annoying because it's yeah. a long story. And I really relate to that because I have like a similar thing where I like grew up on Saipan and I'm Korean, but I'm part white and I never grew up in the States, but I speak right. English and it's like this long story. Right. In a but way, like that it's camera like, thing, yeah, yeah. It's it's in a, in a way, it's like because people can't categorize you, and you have trouble categorizing yourself. It's yeah. like let me just not belong anywhere, and I'll be mm. fine because I understand what this space feels like, which is just marginalized and not belonging to anything. Yeah. Um, mm. And so I feel like as an adult now, I'm trying to use documentaries to like build bridges against that idea. Like, okay, right. mm. I. I want to like work on things where I feel connected and maybe this, you know, documentary will help other people feel connected to the documentary because then they'll have something to feel like that connection with. Yeah, um, I feel the exact same way. I feel like that's why it was important to me to say, like when I was hearing your dad, your grandpa's story, I was like, it's so important to me to be say right now, 
all of us have this kind of story in our family, no matter if you're Asian or like whatever kind of immigrant you are, even if you're like a white person living in America, you have an immigrant story that's like probably very similar where your grandpa had to like come through Ellis Island or whatever. Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like, you know, like you're saying that that's what you're trying to do with your work. I feel the same way. Like I just want everyone to see that it's all the same thing. Yeah. 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 Do you have any, uh, projects cooking up that you want to talk about or you sure. can speak to? Well, I'm currently producing a feature documentary about the LA water story and it's mm. told from the perspective of native Americans and Japanese Americans who were incarcerated during world war II and mm. environmentalists. Wow. And it's all the same land where LA gets our water from. Um, and that story oh. has been told many times, mostly by white people. And it's like the Chinatown story, but they mm -hmm. haven't really explored like the perspective of the Japanese Americans who were incarcerated on that same land, as well as the Native Americans who were like forcibly removed from the land. Um, mm -hmm. and yeah, so that one, um, is premiering soon. I don't know if I can say it yet because it's not totally official until next week, but it will right, premiere right. at Big Sky Film Festival in February. Oh, nice. And, um, so we're like, really trying to ramp up finishing it in time um and i'm also like developing a food docuseries because i love using mm. food as a way into different cultures and histories mm. and um and yeah i'm writing a feature narrative with my husband who's a screenwriter so we're doing that mm. project which Amazing. is kind of about like intra-asian american dynamics because he's vietnamese american i'm korean american and just like mm -hmm. kind of like how that plays out yeah i have a lot of things going on right now <laughs> like it feels like right. Right, right. I'm, get, I'm keeping myself really busy and just like doing all the things that I need to do. Um, mm. Right. But yeah, I'm pretty happy, I guess, with my career. If people want to like look into your work and find your work, do you have like a website or something? I'm most active on Instagram as JYK Films, but and, okay. I, and I guess LinkedIn. First of all, thank you so much for sharing your story. And before we let you go, can you tell us something that you're proud of? Uh, wow. Um, I tried to think about this and then I forgot my answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. I will say this. Um, I always like dealt with anger issues. I, you know, like what you said in the beginning of this podcast kind of like rem reminded me of this. I always had a lot of rage, a lot of like unrestrained K rage. And mm. it took a global pandemic for me to seek therapy. <laughs> Oh, but, nice. But part of that was like, it made it easier because it was all on Zoom. So mm. I was like, this, it feels like less of a barrier for me to go see someone because it's, it's just like another Zoom call. And right. um, I started therapy um, in March, I think, March or April of 2020. And I feel like I am finally able to process everything that has happened to me and everything that I like bring on to myself in a way that makes sense. And just to put like labels on things and understanding like the pain cycle. And I'm finally like going to learn about what my peace cycle is. And all of these things mm. are actually like something that I can um, sink my teeth into because, you know, everything is digital. And young me in one of your episodes, you were saying like the digital world is like kind of like our only world right now. Mm -hmm. And that's, that really stuck with me because I'm like, Imagine if this happened, if the global pandemic happened before the internet, like where would we be? Mm. And like, what if there was no right, alternative universe in which we could make work, make art, like talk to each mm -hmm. other. And all we had was like a dial up phone, you know, we would probably <laughs> just be like having our doors open, talking to our neighbors, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Probably be like actually 
more fun. Really nice. We probably just be reading, <laughs> reading a lot of books <laughs> and just like looking at, our, looking at our neighbor and stuff. Yeah. Well, going to therapy is a huge step, and I'm so glad that you're proud of yourself for that. And you should be. That's like amazing. And yeah. I really, yeah, I'm so glad that that's been, like been helpful for you because I know some people don't really feel that way about therapy. So I'm so glad to hear that. Yay. Yay. <laughs> One last reminder to the listeners. What is your Instagram so they can find your work? It's JYK Films and I'm JYK Films everywhere. Nice. JYK Films. How about you, Brian? What's your Instagram? You guys can find me on socials at it's Brian Park. And what about you, young me? YM Mayor and then young me Mayor on TikTok. <laughs> Please stop hating me on TikTok too. I'm sensitive. And you can follow our <laughs> podcast Instagram at Feeling Asian Podcast. And if you're looking for a sound engineer, please hit up Sarah Pack at I M underscore P A K T. That's at Impact. And follow. Oh, did you say Patreon already? Not Patreon. Yet. A reminder: we have a Patreon at Patreon.com. Feeling Asian. Please donate some money. Uh. Thank you. Thank you, Jen. Thanks, Thank Jen. You. Bye. It was so fun. Bye. Bye.